Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Greg Snow coming to you live from uh, Olivia with my partner, Scott McDonald, live from the basement, the cellar. I'm a cellar dweller. The basement of Alexandria. What's your, where do you live? Yeah, Alexandria, Minnesota, very close to where some tornadoes came. Uh, I was down here a couple weeks ago and it was, it was not good, Greg. We got lucky. Yeah, I heard there's a town north of you that got wiped out, but um, yeah, there's going to be some stuff coming down. Anyways, Club Pro Chatter, season five, episode number four, coming to you in the first part of June, uh, getting ready for the tape mark. Um, Scotty, I, uh, so just that time of year, I mean, we just got done playing in two Monday, Monday, and it's just, it's now in full season, it's revved up, and the first major coming up, uh, but first, do you want to start us with a song? You seem pretty chipper this morning. I just threw that on you. We didn't even pregame that. We didn't. It's been okay. a while since I've seen my friend Greg at Meadows at Mystic Lake. It's been a while. Scott, so long can you say sing, I'm sorry? Can you sing that new TikTok song that everybody's playing? Is that uh, the Wellerman? I I don't. I'm not on TikTok. I'm sorry. Okay. Have you seen it on Facebook? No. The, the song that goes, there once was a ship or something. Uh, how does it go? Let's see if I can play it. I it, should have found this already. Have you heard this? No, I have not heard this. You, you... So anyway, Scotty, I uh, I just thought that maybe that could be our theme song from now on. I don't know. Do you think? I, I've, I've heard that song before. I can't remember where I've heard it, but it was, certainly was not on TikTok or Facebook or whatever social oh, media outlet. No, it's on there. Well, I didn't hear it there, though. I heard it okay. someplace else. Let's so. bring in our guest. We have a uh, PGA Hope Chris Nowak with us. Chris, introduce yourself for our listeners, please. Hey, how's everybody doing? Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, my name is Chris Nowak. I'm retired from the United States Marine Corps, and I serve as the uh, military letter, veteran liaison for PGA of America. And uh, pretty much after leaving the Department of Veterans Affairs, after my military career, came to PGA to start the Hope Program. So, uh, Love the game of golf and think it's a great therapeutic intervention for veterans. Well, Chris, uh, this is something that's near and dear to me and Scott's heart. We played in the first uh, 100 holes of hope and we want to support you as veterans and we appreciate all you've done for our country. And we do see that there's a good correlation between golf and, uh, and veterans. And um, we're just uh, glad to be a part of this. Glad to have you on. And now in full disclosure, you're in Arizona and you had to get up really early to get on with us so we really appreciate it is that all true uh yeah some of the majority of that's true <laughs> yeah yeah it was a uh, i'm in scottsdale at uh scottsdale national out here doing some work with pxg and so uh if you ever been to a scottsdale national it's a unique place it's a special place so i was taking full advantage of the amenities last night let's just say that and enjoying myself good for you chris i think you know pxg has a great program for military and uh, first responders i got a buddy who's a cop and they they do they, they've got a great program for you guys yeah yeah bob, bob parson he, you know he's a great american he's a marine of course um and just his his continuing to give back to service members and first responders and what he does with the heroes pricing with pxg um is, is just absolutely phenomenal it really, really is. Chris, uh, explain to us a little bit about uh, what your role entails with the PGA of America. Um, the things that you get to do, obviously a little bit of travel, but uh, kind of describe to us how you're, how you're intertwined with the PGA. So, sure. A um, little, little history so you understand how it came to fruition. Um, I used to be the national director for all the adaptive sports for the Department of Veterans Affairs. So I have a, a background in adaptive sports, uh, mostly playing and organizing uh, different adaptive sports programs. Uh, played on a couple national teams, uh, Paralympic teams. Um, so 
as I got older, I found um, golf to be so therapeutic, such a great sport. Uh, wish I'd have picked it up earlier. So uh, when I was with the uh, P, uh, DA, got in contact with PGA of America, and they were just starting the foundation. Scott Kimmick was uh, brought on to grow the, uh, the Reach Foundation, start the military program, Hope, and just knowing the therapeutic value that Hope, that golf brings to veterans is no... You know, I really wanted to get involved and get this program going. Um, we're up to over 110 programs operating now. We're going to put through 4,000 over 4,000 veterans this year. Uh, the program's just grown astronomically, and just how PJ of America set it up with, you know, you got to be trained specifically in PJ Hope to teach PJ Hope. Even if you're a PJ professional, you have to have that one day specialized training. Uh, then just using the game of golf as therapy. Um, golf is life. You know, you can't think about the bad shot you just had. You can't think about the past in your life and, and all these different things that the game of golf does we're using to help our veterans heal. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great program. I went through the training. We've got a Hope chapter at the, at the club that I used to be the head pro at. Um, they had their, uh, I think it was the second week of uh, Hope yesterday, eight uh, veterans there. So it's, it's a great program. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable to see, you know, um, we, Greg and I, we've got this event coming up, Chris, called 100 Holes, and it's, it, it, it benefits Hope. And it's in the fifth year, Greg and I Greg played it the first year and he hasn't played since he's had some scheduling conflicts, but he's coming back this year. So uh, I played in it every year and it's just an awesome event. We play with a bunch of PGA professionals. We've got a handful of veterans that play as well. It's just so fun to interact and see, yeah, what the game can, can do. And, uh, and, you know, for some people it, it's, honestly saved their lives it's 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 really remarkable it's a great outlet and um yeah we're we're uh, we're glad that that uh you came on and you, you can help us uh kind of shed some light and, and um more on the program yeah i i think you know the the fundamentals of the program is, is what we want to teach the, the veteran and that, and as as you all know and all your listeners know the one thing you got to think about when you're playing golf, you're about to strike that golf ball. Nothing. So we, we call that a moment in time. So if we can get that veteran to understand when they're above that golf ball and they're about to strike it, if they can forget about the trauma they've experienced, the trauma they're dealing with getting back in, you know, back home and all these different things they're dealing with and just focus on that moment in time, veteran goes out and shoots 110 for 18. That's 110 moments in time in that day that the veterans not reliving their traumas and experiencing what they're experiencing since coming home. So, you know, the, the golf is just such a great therapeutic sport just on that simple level. And then that starts to develop into pre, you know, having pre-shot rituals, getting paired up with a stranger to make a foursome and all those different things that you deal with in your round is exactly what we're trying to get to understand how to deal with things every day in their life. Chris, uh, I got asked this a lot last night as I was soliciting donations. How does this money help? What's it going to do? Sure. What does PGA Hope so, do with the money? So, great question. So, what we do with our money is it costs money. Uh, the pros, we pay the pros for the program um, to teach the program. We pay, we pay the courses, the range, provide play 18 holes. And it also helps us fund our larger programs like the Secretary's Cup. A lot of times, that would be the first time a veteran's traveling independently without a caregiver or without a family member. He's now traveling with uh, veterans that he's been going through the HOPE program with. So it helps support that rehab process throughout the entire year. Um, you know, definitely not going in my pocket. I'm definitely not getting paid. <laughs> I wasn't insinuating that. <laughs> a lot of money. I just want to let everybody know. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I do some great traveling. I get to play great courses. I get great golf equipment and things like that. But uh, that's not what it's going towards. You know, it's, it's going towards put, putting veterans through the, the eight-week program. Um, and, and there's overhead to run these programs. Uh, 
you know, we, we do very well in the uh, charity rankings and, and whatnot. So very, very proud of what PJ of America is doing. Yeah, and I think uh, now in Minnesota, Chris, we're up to, I think, 10 facilities that have programs. And I think multiple facilities have more than one eight-week program, which is great. Um, obviously, we got one in uh, at Minnewaska, where, where I'm at, and then uh, quite a few uh, down in the metro. But, yeah, always, always looking more uh, for more facilities um, to, to start the programs. Other than other than you know going through the training, what do does say any of our golf pros that are listening? What do, does it take to start a, a hope chapter? Uh, you know, obviously you got to go through training, but just uh, we have the open enrollment period, which starts in October and runs through December. Working with your section, um, if you're having some difficulties, maybe getting your section to buy in. Is reach out to us at headquarters. Reach out to me. I mean, I've, I've talked to a lot of EDs who, who maybe have not have a full understanding of the HOPE program, the impact it, it can have on a facility, both good and bad. Um, you know, we're going to take up some range time that you might be able to use. And that's where we just work with the facility. We explain to them uh, the benefits of it. We are looking at increasing the stipend that we're paying the, uh, the pros and the assistant pros. Um, we realize that we want to have more prime time hours for veterans who are working, who can participate in the program. So then we realize that the pros can be giving up some of their prime time hours that they could be teaching. So we're looking at how to balance that out and how to work with the pros. Cause it doesn't happen without the PGA professionals. There's no way this, you know, that's one of the things that gives us um, our credibility with the department of veterans affairs and in the veteran community is you don't have some jack wagon who thinks he's a scratch golfer on the range trying to teach veterans how to golf. We have actual trained professionals who's been specifically trained in that. And I think that's helped us in our credibility and move the program forward. You're my new favorite guy because you use my phrase, Chris, jack wagon. <laughs> um, but so my next question, I met a guy named Marty Carraway. Uh, you may know, may have heard of him. He was from Redwood Falls here originally. I think he's moved out to Virginia now. But he got to play in this Ryder Cup format. Is that the Secretary Cup thing you're talking about, where it's U.S. military or ex-military? Or no, he did, the, uh, he did the Simpson Cup. Simpson, the Simpson Cup, Cup, yes. Can you yeah. explain yeah. the yeah. Simpson Cup to, to our listeners? Sure. The Simpson Cup is run by uh, a veteran organization over in the U.K., um, I believe. And what they do is they use the Ryder Cup format and they have uh, U.S. Uh, adapt, adaptive golfers as well as military golfers against the U.K. Um, they're more focused on the competition aspect of it and, and, you know, higher level golfing. What we're doing is we're focusing on using golf as a therapy. So, like, with our, with our Secretary's Cup, the way we want it, so it's part of the rehab It's not just the golf event. It's part of the rehab journey. And one of the way we explain that is we have a fair amount of crowd that comes out and watch the Secretary's Cup. So we can have 75 to 100 people around the first tee. So if you have a veteran, we all, everybody, all your listeners, we play golf. What's the worst thing you want to do? You want to be on the first tee, have four groups behind you, you know, the whole thing, sphincter, everything's tight. I mean, it's just not a good, <laughs> not a good situation. So you think about this therapeutically. So if you're a veteran, you're suffering from PTSD and you're up there, you're on the first tee of the Secretary's Cup, we announce your name, branch of service. You got 75 to 100 people around you. You really, really got to put into practice those eight weeks that we've worked with you. So what we want them to do then is understand that, wow, this golf, golf is my therapy. Golf is doing it for me. Now, here's the downside of this, though, and I've heard about this. Now, veterans' wives are making them go to flower shows and stuff like that because they're like, hey, if you can go play golf with two strangers, you're going to the flower show, too. You know, you're going to that convention center. You have to park your car, you know, overpay for tickets, overpay, you know. But, yeah, so, so there is a little downside to it, but uh, <laughs> we're getting there. Chris, I will say that Greg plays a lot of golf and his wife does not make him go to flower shows, but maybe okay. he, he, maybe he should start maybe going. Maybe she doesn't know, right. Hopefully she's listening. He'd be more than happy to go. 
Yes, yes. Chris, I, I love the, the downsize or the downside to, uh, to teaching these guys these skills. So that's the biggest fear at the Olivia Golf Club for people is this first tee is right out the window. <laughs> and they say, I just feel like everybody's watching me. And it's amazing what that does to people and how it kind of, it can turn them against golf to a degree. Right. There is a downside to it. But when mm -hmm. they embrace it and kind of understand that they get to be the one sitting on the deck, make somebody right. in a couple hours, then it all turns right. around and they love what golf is. So I love what you guys are doing there. Yeah, yeah. And just the therapeutic value in that of, you know, better not being comfortable going in the crowd. Get to understand that. Remember what you were taught. It's going to be okay. So, you know, that's constantly our program. We're constantly, everything we do is therapeutic based. The ambassador program, secretary's cup, all these different things. We just, it's totally based on therapy and just golf's the tool. Yeah. And I, I think it's just awesome that the PGA is, you know, a partner with this. It's, uh, I mean, I, I, I always say it, I, I, you know, thank you for your service. I've got a, I've got a cousin that's still in the Marine Corps. I got an uncle that served. Um, and my cousin, it actually, he was stationed in Hawaii and he had never played golf before. And I think it's Connie Ohi, the Clipper yeah. course on the north side of Oahu. And you can only play there if you're playing with military. So my cousin got us on this golf course, which is unbelievable. It's right on the ocean, Greg. It's like five or six holes on the ocean. And it was my cousin's first round of golf ever. And it was, it was a struggle, but it was just, it's, it's, it's so, it was, it was just an experience I'll never forget. I mean, it was the first time I was ever in Hawaii. I got to see my cousin. I hadn't seen him in 10 years. And it's just, um, it's, it's the very, very least we can do for our military professionals. So thank you, Chris. I, I really appreciate all you do for this program. It's, it's just a great program. And we're, Greg, Greg and I, I mean, I love playing hundred holes of hope. It's one of, it's truly one of the first time we signed up. I remember Greg and I talking, I go hundred holes in one day. This is going to, we're going to, it's going to be terrible. This could take so long. We blew through it. We, I've never laughed so much on a golf course and had so right. much fun. And it's, it's really just like the hope program. It's not about the score. It's just going out there and, and, and raising funds for this great program. So it's, uh, yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, Greg, you, do you got any other questions? No, Chris, uh, again, we'll give you the last comment, but thank you so much for being here and explaining this a little bit. I think people need to understand that golf, can be used in a lot of tools and PGA hope is using it. I love what you kept saying therapy. This is therapy. This yeah. is, a, this is going to a psychiatrist, but you're out in nature. You're out exactly. loving it. So Chris, we'll give you the last word on this. No, I appreciate you having me on. And like, the, like to remind your, your, your listeners and whatnot, it takes a nation to heal a veteran. The VA can't do it. DOD can't do it. We need organizations like PJ of America, great Americans like yourselves playing a hundred holes for hope leaning in and helping with the healing process. You know, it's it just, it, it's going to take everybody. And I appreciate this opportunity to talk about it. And I appreciate all that you're doing for the great game of golf and helping our, our nation's veterans. All right, Chris, you take care. Thank you much. Thank you. And um, have a great day. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Thanks so Scott, much. Scotty, that's, um, that's just awesome stuff, dude. I, I, um, you know, we obviously don't always know what we're doing when we're out there playing for this stuff. Right. I mean, let's yeah. just be perfectly honest. It's kind of like, ah, it sounds all well and good. You know, veterans, veterans, right. We hear this a lot, but to get the real stories and to get the real depth of what they do for those PGA and you already got this cause you guys signed up for, you know, for that stuff. And um, I applaud you for doing it. So how was that? Was that an easy course to take? Uh, it's, I think it took, it was a morning and, you know, you just kind of go through, um, you go through a lot because you don't know what anyone's went through. You know, you, you could have someone that's perfectly healthy physically, but they might be battling some, some, some things inside that you and I can't even begin to comprehend. So 
it's it's that and then you might have someone which josh lang who's who's helps with the whole program at minnewaska you might have a double amputee that comes to the golf course so clearly you can see what that person is going through but you don't know what everyone's going through and one way shape or form they're probably they probably have seen things that none of us can even think to comprehend and they they've got to battle and live with that the rest of their life so like chris said i thought it was unbelievable when he said you know if you take 110 shots out there in 18 holes, that's 110 times you get to focus on something else and forget about that. So that's that's what it's all about right there. And and that's why golf is such a great game, because you 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 do got a complete focus, which you and I find tough to do in tournament golf. Um, but for these people, it's 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 just a it's a welcome release. And it's just it's unbelievable what this program can do. And I'm I mean, we've been a part of it now, yeah, five years, and it's it's just it's just awesome to see the growth. Well, I, I appreciate that, Scotty, and that's well said. We're not all fun and games totally on this uh, podcast. We want to add in some of the realities of what we do as as PGA members, and so I appreciate that, Scotty. We skipped the apologies. I'm going to start because I'm going to cut you off. I'm going to beat you to the punch, so to speak. Um, I need to apologize to Jeff, obviously, for not paying attention. Um, I asked him a question exactly what he had just said. He said, and as I rewatched it, kind of did the, you know, one, one of these, right. Where you're like, what are you doing, Greg? You know? And so, uh, I apologize, Jeff, he handled it like a champion. He made fun of me uh, the other day about it. And so it's, it's all good, but, um, yeah. Apologies to Jeff. You got any? Yeah. I well, you beat me to the punch. I'll just That's apologize. Right. I'll just pre-apologize for some of our video issues that we've got today. Obviously, Chris is on location and, and yourself. You, we never know what uh, sort of connection that you've got. So if, if Greg stops like this, then we know that he's frozen and I'll just take over. Yes. Yes. So, um, but other than that, um, I just, let's, let's jump right in. I mean, that was that was awesome having Chris on, and I mean that was just uh, a fun to discuss with him. Let's jump right in. He says the topic number two, which of course happens to be the recap of the PGA Championship. Uh, as everybody re or if people recall, we um we uh, each had a pick. We did a snake draft. We went on total money, and I'm proud to say I didn't finish last. Scotty, uh, I finished third. Check this out. Tone had $341,482. He had three guys make the cut. I only had two. I actually had three, but Tiger said he didn't want to play anymore. And so I came out with $345,000 and I barely beat Tone. Sorny finished second with $656,000. Uh, he had three make the cut. He had a bad break with Mickelson. And then our winner, two-time champion, right there, we all owe you a drink. Don't forget about that. You had Justin Thomas, Victor Hovland, John Rahm, Morikawa. Those three didn't play great, but Justin was obviously the winner. You ended with $2.8 million, and that's why we're changing the format today for the U.S. Open, which you agreed to, because I'm tired of you winning. Well, it's um, – I mean, I will the, – the one thing I will say, if you rewatch – you picked Scotty Scheffler out of the gates and I called it. I said, Scotty's due for a letdown. And you know what, Greg? I felt like Scheffler, the first nine holes, he eagled that one par five that I know no one else eagled the entire week. Perfect drive, perfect three would bury the putt. Mike, he's going to win. And then he, it's almost like he met a little adversity and he was more like heated than I've ever seen him on a golf course. Like his expectations were, I'm, I'm going to win this week. And then he made a couple bogeys and he never regained his composure, missed the cut, faltered down the stretch on Friday, missing the cut. And then, then I knew the next week, you know, he gets in a playoff and he almost wins because his game was so sharp, but now it's like, well, it's not a major. I'm just going to go out and play. So that should be a lesson to any competitive golfer, no expectations, go out there, see what happens. Well, well said, Scotty, and you did call it. And um, uh, I'm, I'm guessing you won't pick him for the U.S. Open then, but we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. 
All right, let's get on to our next thing, which we have State of the Section brought to you by... Is that upside Ripstick. down? Ripstick, that's upside down, but thank you for the, the plug. Ripstick, yes, full speed ahead. Greg, thank you for your support at the OGC. Uh, Kaylee, our wonderful um, staff member that usually does State of the Section is busy. Do I have busy. to hold this for the whole segment? You do not need to hold that for the Thank entire you. segment. But Kaylee is uh, is busy this week, Greg. We've got the tape mark this week, which is in the state of the section. I've got one more thing I need to add in there, which uh, you and I have talked about. Anyways, so first, congratulations to our tournament director, Tone Polito, on successfully winning the cup matches for the first time in six or seven years. I think that the, the section has lost seven out of the last eight. Uh, Stone Ridge Golf Club, great host site. Obviously our section championship there. I got on the tee box on number one, Greg, and Tone said the whole location on number four is not front left. He didn't put it there for this, huh? No, he did not put it there. So, Tone, right? uh, he put it right over the bunker on the right. It actually was where it was, I think, day two, which is kind of a tricky spot, too. I mean, yep. it's just a tough hole. Let's be honest. It is. It's a really tough hole. So, um, so yes, cup matches. We, we actually, the, everyone played great, and we kind of ran away with it. It... Uh, I, I got in, Andy Smith and I played together, um, and we both won our individual and team match, and we got off the 18th green, and Tone shook my hand and said, congrats, you guys are the clinching points. So, okay, so was- those, who, those who forgot, uh, Scotty was not in on this event. Scotty is a driver of this event. Scotty puts pressure on other pros, pros that listen to us, to play in this event. Scott, I give you a lot of ripping. I mean, I do. You take a beating from me and you know it. All right. From your hairstyle, to <laughs> you name it. All right. I, I rip on you all the time, but I want to sit here in front of everybody and say, you were amazing on this and you deserve to play. And you really worked hard to get this to happen. And the fruits of the labor came through. We finally won. And so you deserve as much credit as Tone, not taking any away from him, but congratulations to you, buddy. Great job. It was it was fun to uh, to see everyone because usually we we lose and no one hangs around. They get their food and everybody's gone. But this time we got in there and uh, Stone Ridge was nice enough. We got lunch with it. We had lunch in there and and Kelly Hoynes, our our tournament um, committee chair, uh, looked at me and said. You can't give us a hard time anymore because the ladies have, it's tough. The ladies are playing, you know, some unbelievable players. Um, And all of us are, but, um, you know, Kelly, and I hand it to a lot of those, those gals because Kelly doesn't get to play a ton of golf. She's got a very high profile position as a head professional at, at a private club. And they go out there each year, and it's tough and they've gotten beat very handily you know seven and five or five and four and it's not fun to get beat like that and they went out and they kelly and christy won all their points i couldn't be happier for them i was smiling every time i looked at the results and it was a really fun day a really team effort and that's ultimately what it's all about and you preach it at the event that we go to every year, camaraderie, and that's what it's all about. So, um, yes, fun to fun to fun to be a part of that. And uh, yeah, I take great pride in playing on that team. Thank you for the ripstick. Second topic, state of the section, brought to you by Ripstick. Okay, uh, next, you know, the reason that Tone and Kaylee are not on is tape mark. We got the tape mark this week. Uh, starts on Friday pairings came out it's always fun to get those pairings uh, I was dissecting 
uh, I'll send them to you because you can look at um, you can look at the handicaps and and place your paramutual. There is no paramutual, but uh, if there was, uh, uh, fun to see. Sorry about that. Fun to see a lot of uh, section names, um, a lot of longtime supporters on the amateur side. Uh, I, I'll be playing. I'll, I'll be completely honest. It's it's one of my favorite events of the year, uh, just because there is the amateur component, and it is just for a great cause. Um, so I, I've got the really late two thirty tee time on a Friday. I don't know that I've teed off that late in a tournament in a long, long time. And uh, then nine thirty on Saturday. Uh, defending champion in the field. We talked about it last time. Angus Flanagan, who I think has got some status on the Canadian tour and maybe some other mini tours, but he is playing this week. You know, he only won by what, Greg? 10 last year? That was a lot. So you called and, it. Remember that? Yes. You called yes. it. Yes. Yeah, so are, but are we, you picking back to back W's? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be really tough uh, to not pick him. He's for sure the favorite, but I'm going to say somebody else. I like some of these younger guys. Michael Schmitz is a good player. Who's Can we get second. a Minnesota section PGA guy to play well like yourself? Uh, we're, hey, it's not for a lack of effort here. Uh, we're all trying, but there's some good players. You've got Michael Schmitz. You've got Andrew Israelson. Bill Israelson's son is in the field. Uh, Trey Fessler, uh, Steve Fessler's son is in the field. Um, Bill Israelson, who hasn't played in a while, is playing. He's defending, you know, or he's a past champion. So it's kind of like the Masters. You've always got that exemption. So it's awesome to see Bill playing. He's playing with our friend Ian Leonard. So that, uh, that'll be great. Uh, obviously, Don Barry's in the field. Uh, Alex Goggert, who, uh, must not be caddying this weekend for uh, Eric Van Ruen. And uh, yeah, so, but a lot of section guys, let's, uh, you know, Andy Smith's playing great. He's won the Twin Cities Open. Um, yeah, everybody, there's, you know, Brent, Brent Snyder's. Snyder. Yeah, Brent's playing well. Um, so yeah, and, and Jeff, of course, you know, who we had on last week um, as a past winner of this and, yeah, it's it'd be great if a section a, a section person won it. So we'll see what happens. But good weather. Next. Okay, presented by Ripstick. Ripstick number three. Okay. State of the section. Okay, we're gonna hit on hundred holes, which we've kind of already hit on next uh, a week from tomorrow. It is, let's see, June 16th, Greg Snow making his triumphant return to um, Mount Frontenac. So I don't know what the pairings are going to look like for that. I, I requested a Greg Snow, Mark Foley pairing. We'll see if that happens. Mark Foley and I always have a great time. And, and you and I did that first year as well. Um, our friend Jack Ruby, I think that sits on the sixth tee. Uh, we always laugh uh, when we see that sign, but you just go around and around for seven, eight hours. And uh, you, you, your favorite part of 100 holes, A2P. Yeah. Automatic but, two putt. But we have to tell whoever we play with that the last 18 holes, yes, we play straight up. Mm hmm. The last 18 holes, we put it out, everything. So the way this works is because we're trying to play as many holes as we are, 100 holes, as, and, and get it done because you only got a limited amount of time. But if you hit it on the green and it with, is within a flagstick, it's good. If you hit it on the green and you roll it and you don't make it, you pick it up. It's automatic two putt. So that are, those are just two things that go to help speed things up. We really like that par five on the back. I believe it's 12 or 13. That's got like the 10 foot flag stick. And if you hit it inside of 10 feet, it's, it's, oh, a, it, it's, a, it's a birdie. So that's a, that's a good one. Um, there's a couple drivable par fours. Uh, it's 
It's a fun golf course. Isn't there like you four can... of them? Yeah, there's there's probably about four you can get close to. Yes. So two nine. Yep. Two nine. Um, oh, it's like 15. 15. Yep. 15. 15, 16. No, 15. 15. You're right. Okay. Oh, sorry, 14, and then 16 you can get close to, and then all the par fives can be reached. We're going to make some birdies. I didn't tell the people who were donating yesterday any of that. I didn't feel you like You didn't I tell, tell them A2P and the flagstick rule? I told them I made like 30-some birdies last year. I shot 62 one time with those rules. It was it – was, but I also shot 76 in one yes. of the 18s. I was keeping track. 100 holes. We're going to play, Scotty. I'm coming – Straight from state tournament down to uh, Treasure Island. They're one of the sponsors. I'm uh, going to meet up with you and Julie, and we're going to probably have a little dinner. Uh, my wife's coming with as well. And then okay. she's going to take off for the day. And so, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. And then we obviously heard this morning of why we're doing it. Yes. And so that makes it really easy. Scotty, anything else for state of the section? Or are you happy? Yeah, I, I think one last thing is district director. Yes, thank you. Yes, uh, right. so that was big news. Yeah, so you know the section. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> District director, brought to you by Ripstick. Okay. So, uh, district director. So uh, early this year, we had uh, sent out communication multiple times about the district director position and what it entails. And we've had, you know, every spring and fall meeting, we have a district director that comes and gives us a report. Essentially, that is our voice for our district, Minnesota, Iowa, Nebraska, which is District 8. Uh, they give a report from the national board because they are our representative. So for three years, each state gets a representative. It was Iowa. Now, this, this term, it's Nebraska with Greg Newyear. And prior to our last district director was Jeff Drimmel, who obviously is now our CEO of the section. So um, this go around, it, it only happens every nine years. So you and I have been on the board a long time and never have been a part of a district director election. Not to mention there hasn't been an election since 1978 for district director. A lot of times it's gone unopposed. Um, you know, Mike zinni has been a past district director, Ken Gorg. Um, I think Jim Manthus. So there's, there's obviously some Hall of Fame individuals. So this go around, we, we didn't know what to expect. I didn't know, have any clue because I'd never been a part of it. So we had three applicants uh, that put their name in. Paul Kelly, Mark Foley, Joel Berger. All past presidents, all that have served our section for a very long time, all very qualified individuals. And per our bylaws, how the district director is selected is a board vote, um, which I didn't know. I don't think you knew. I don't think any of us knew what it was because right. we hadn't been a part of it. And so we, we went through this process, the application process you needed to submit by the end of April, I believe, you know, send your resume, your letter of intent as to why you'd like to serve. And then as a board, we called everyone in for interviews, a process that uh, I think it was almost a five-hour day for you, Greg. I was unable to, to, to attend, but watched the video afterwards. But uh, it was, a, I think the process that we put in place was very strong. We had time for follow-up. Um, we had time for more board discussion. And uh, when, it was, when it was all said and done, the, the board uh, voted. Uh, and determined that Joel Berger would be our next district director. So what does that entail? Joel has a year of shadowing Greg New Year starting in the fall. So he goes to every national meeting. He sits with Greg. They talk. They learn the ways of the district director. Because this is, I mean, it's not like you're just put on the board. This board, there's a lot of people in that room. You've got to press a button to talk. It sounds like the United Nations. So Joel has a year of shadowing, and then he's the district director for three years. So um, congratulations to Joel. Um, it was not an easy decision for our board. We, we took a lot of time, a lot of discussion. I don't think any of us took this process or this decision lightly. 
we know each and every one of those candidates personally. Uh, I know I've served with all of them. I think you have as well. So um, yeah, it's, it, it, it's a big decision for our section. And I, I guess I've been talking a lot, Greg, anything that you'd like to add? Scotty, I, uh, I'm the one who usually does a lot of talking and it was good to just let you go as obviously secretary of our section. You've been chosen to be a part of the hierarchy and you do a great job for us there. I don't have a lot to add other than this was a very hard decision. And, and again, well, we didn't, um, it was a blind vote. We don't know who voted for what. Um, it was all those things came into play. And at the end of the day, we walk out of there and we're going to support Joel. And uh, Joel's our guy and we're so proud and we're glad that we had three great candidates. Um, and, and it really, it's harder than people think. Because again, um, you couldn't, in our minds, really couldn't have gone wrong. And um, uh, we just went through the process and the process is, is what it is. And that's why we're elected in the positions we are. And so, yeah, I, I don't have a lot to add other than uh, good luck to Joel. And he's got JD right there. JD's going to tell him, here's what I did. Here's what happens here. Here's what you're going to hear, you know, and um, you know, obviously Mike Zimmy, Zinni has passed away, but there, you, you mentioned some others that maybe, um, you know, Jim could possibly give him some tidbits, but things have changed over the course of years. You know, they have a little more outside um, influence. I think there's some at large, like Lynn Swan on our board for a while. Um, wasn't Dottie Pepper on for a short time? Yeah, you you have a, you have a tour representative always. I think right now, of all people, it's Charlie Hoffman who's had some negative publicity this year. Uh, but he, I think, is our tour representative. And then you've got some uh, independent directors that are put on in. Um, I'm not sure how they're appointed, but they are appointed. And that's maybe where some of those um, names that you mentioned um, are independents. And then obviously you've got the officer corps, um, which right now, you know, is an election year. And right now we've, we've got Jim Richardson, uh, John Linder, and then uh, Don Ray is the secretary. Um, and then we've got three candidates that will be elected in November. Uh, or one of them will be the next secretary and then president in six years. So, um, yeah, I think as a total, it's 15 to 18 that totally sit on the board. And then you've got staff in there. I think there's over 25 people. JD, the, told, us, JD told us the room is full. Yeah, yeah. And he didn't feel as a, as a shadow guy that they should be talking, but they would always say, what do you guys think? You know, and they're like, yeah. I thought we were just shadow you know, yeah, so yeah. We, our eyes have been open to, oh, that's, you know, there's a lot of stuff. And what did they say? The, the packets are like four to 500 pages. Yeah, it's a lot. Like we get pre-reads just for uh, sake of telling people our pre-reads for our section board meetings are, I mean, the may, biggest is maybe 50 pages. Typically right. it's, uh, it's 15 to 30 pages long. But there's our three, four, five hundred, um, probably a lot like your commissioner meetings, Greg. I've had some that have been 400. Now, wow. in, full, in full disclosure, Scotty, um, a lot of those at, at the last 50, 60 pages are the... Um, the budget? Uh, some of the budgets and then the, the spending, item, you know, like uh, $72 to Napa Auto Parts here in town, you know, that again takes up a lot because county business you do a lot of those so some of those you just kind of scroll through and and look for the ones that have sometimes like attorney fees you know why did we spend thirty eight hundred dollars you know for that two hour meeting anyways um we don't need to dive into that we have two topics left scotty thank you for doing state of the section today uh we we can't wait to have kelly back or kaylee back um <laughs> All right, we got two topics. We got five minutes for each. We're gonna we got we gotta talk some live and we gotta talk some US open picks, which we'll get to. There's only two of us, so that should go fairly quick. All right. So I put last time on our agenda that um live it just got real. And then this time I put no no, it is real. Here we go. So I'm having some trouble with this, Scott. I like Randall. Um, I follow him on Twitter. He's taking a moral high ground position, and I am struggling to follow. 
Um, I'm not sure even where I stand on it. If I'm Dustin Johnson, which I'm not, as everybody knows, uh, that's they're not going to offer Greg Snow that money. I don't know where I would stand. Have you? How do you look at this tour? Are you kind of thinking of it as a as a as a moral high ground issue, or where are you going with this? Um, I'm I'm not. I, I have said this on other shows that I. Phil Mickelson has gotten his his reputation is ruined and tarnished just because of the comments that he's made. And all these other golf professionals that have made the jump have kind of gotten off easy. You know, DJ is getting it now, but DJ waited until the last absolute moment to make the jump and to make it uh, make it known that he's going over there. Um, to me, it really, you know, DJ is, is he past his prime? That's debatable, but he is arguably the best player in the, in these events. You've got some young up and comers, but for the most part, you've got people later on in their career that are looking at this Ian Poulter's Graham McDowell's, you know, um, Lee Westwood, Lee, Lee Westwood guys that are in their later forties that aren't senior tour yet, but this is an opportunity for them to maximize their value. And I understand that. Dustin Johnson certainly is one of the top five most recognizable golfers in the world. His, his, his partnerships are off the charts. He's is 150 or whatever million gonna make a difference to him. That's debatable as well. He's gonna make a lot of money no matter what. And to me, it just really shows what motivates someone like Dustin Johnson. And it's, it's not, it, he wants to still play in the majors, but he still wants to make money. Um, I think the guys that are sticking with the tour, they're out there because they want to play against the best fields and they want to have the best competition and they want to chase records and, and glory. The money is going to come with it. So that's kind of where I stand with it. Um, I still think it's all just so bizarre that they had the draw last night and people are coming up and, oh, and we've had this, there's been a trade on the teams and there isn't a TV deal. You can watch it on YouTube. You can watch it on Facebook, but there isn't a TV deal yet. So who knows what it all looks like? I, I'm going to tell you, Greg, I went on the LIV website last night, and I kind of felt dirty going to that website. Oh, so you you felt a little moral high ground position. I, I just, it, it just didn't feel right. That's, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Okay, so, so. Did, did you hear Bryson and P. Reed join? Did they? Uh, that's the rumor this morning. I haven't confirmed it, but uh, I saw it on Twitter. Really? Hey, you looked that up. Well, I yep. asked the question. Um, so I've had a lot of discussion with some of my buddies about this, and I've taken a position of, of PGA Tour needs to just relax. He's just sit back and watch, watch the show more or less. Keep doing what you're doing. Do you feel, Scott, that the PGA Tour is in trouble because of LIB? No, I don't, because they're always going to be – the the old guard they've got they've got what they've got in place is an infrastructure that has been built on 60 almost 60 years of history they've got they've got a team in place that they've got tv deals they've got one of the best website experiences in all of sports um They've got everything dialed in. You've got great courses. You've got great venues. You've got all those things. So I don't think that they're in trouble. I don't think that, but there's no doubt that when you get people at Bryson and Patrick Reed, again, Patrick Reed, is he past his prime? Who knows? Bryson DeChambeau, he's banged up. Does he, is he ever going to be fully healthy? So there's all these players that have question marks until someone like a Colin Morikawa or a Justin Thomas, someone clearly in their prime makes the jump, then I think it's still going to be an uphill climb for LIV. 
but it's looking more and more like LIV is less like the XFL. <laughs> I, that's the argument I had too, is that some people I think, well, they'll just disappear. So, and I'm like, even without a TV deal, the Saudis have, uh, you know, they have so much money that 20 bucks to them, or I'm sorry, 2 million to them is like 10 bucks to you and I, it's, it's just a nothing. And um, I just, I just think this has staying power, Scott, but I don't think the PGA tour needs to sit back and, and worry about it. If you will, I think they need to just keep being the best at what they're the best at. And that's running golf tournaments. Yes. And one more thing that I've, I've, I've talked about before on our other podcasts and that I've talked about a lot is the PGA tour doesn't own any of the majors and these players, Dustin Johnson is exempt for life in the masters. He's exempt for 10 years in the U S open because he, he won it, you know, back at Marion. He's got exemptions because of his master's wins for five years in the open championship and the PGA championship. And until, and I can tell you, I'm not going to tell you what everybody's going to do, but if I was the PGA of America, are you going to tell Dustin Johnson, he can't play in the PGA championship? One of our biggest events, the masters, are they going to weigh in? And then tell one of those other organizations, the governing bodies weighs in. I think people, it gives them an opportunity. Now, that being said, a guy like, a guy like, a guy like Ian Poulter doesn't have those exemptions. So now, how is he going to gain those exemptions if he's on the LIV? He's kind of given up uh, the opportunity until world golf ranking points gets figured out with these events. Scotty, don't forget about the pension. These guys are, are probably going to forfeit that the PGA tour has um, it's, it's an underlying thing that a lot of people are discounting because of so much money. But as you get older in your life, you start thinking about that a little bit more. And um, some of these guys have had to weigh out that decision. So I'm, this isn't an easy, this isn't as easy of a decision as some people are thinking that it was. No, no, I, I it's, I, I mean, I, I, let me ask you a question. Are you going to tune in online and watch LIV this weekend or are you going to at least look at the leaderboard and see what's happening yeah Friday I'm going to actually it's tomorrow is when it starts it's not it's Thursday Friday Saturday is what I'm seeing here uh the 9th 10th and 11th and I am going to try to find it I I don't know how but I'm going to try to dial it up but Scotty I'm looking through the list of uh golf clubs they have they have this pumpkin ridge which is a hidden gem up in Portland Oregon uh, two Trump golf courses, which is going to raise some more issues, as you and I know. Uh, we're not, we don't dive into politics on this show. Uh, then they're in Boston for the inter- at the International in September. Then they're going to Rich Harvest Farms, which they used to have. A, I think it was a BMW that was there in in Chicago. A very good, very good track. I think Jim Furyk won at that one. Uh, I mean, it's not like they're playing throwaway golf courses, which we knew they wouldn't. I just think that this has this has a lot of staying power, and once they find a TV deal, yeah, who knows? Who knows? But uh, my buddy Todd Bergeth, who I do a podcast with, thinks that the PGA Tour is locking that up, that they're going to have a hard time getting a TV deal because all the networks are going to be uh, are going to have a hard time jumping over to that, or, or I don't know how to feel about it. I don't know how much power they have to do that, but that, that's something that was brought to my attention. It's going to be very, very difficult to for sure get one of the national channels, ABC, CBS, or NBC. The only one that you could possibly see is Fox, which we all know they dabbled with this golf and and ultimately went away from it. Um, But you could see who knows who it is. Someone... um, it almost feels like it's going to start on like dodgeball, the ESPN, the Ocho. It's going to start on ESPN eight, right, Greg? <laughs> it totally feels like it could do. But again, I think people are going to be interested. This is why we play in Pro-Am, Scotty. We love the team aspect. It's amazing how we end up cheering for our guys and sometimes forget that, oh, we have a, we have a purse we're playing for. We've got to focus here. And I think that that 12 person team concept um, and the fact they're casualing it up to a shotgun start, 
I believe I've said this before. I believe there's going to be carts. I believe they're going to have alcohol at some point. I believe it's going to be something totally different than what the PGA tour has. And it's, it's more relatable to the casual. Do you think they're going to start having long drive close to the pin and long putts? I don't think they're going to go to that. Um, I think you're going to see shorts um, at, at some point. I don't know how soon, but I think you're going to, maybe it's the first event. I haven't heard, um, but I just, Scotty, I don't think they're going to go to, to that. I think they're going to try to stick to, but look at us in our events. These are all things we do at pro amps. There's alcohol flowing. We ride in carts. We have shotgun starts. We cheer for our teammates. You know, I mean, it, it has some things there that are very relatable. All right. Enough of LIB. We're going to talk about this for probably the next year. Yes. Okay. U.S. Open picks. We got to quickly finish up here before we get uh, uh, shut off by licensing fees here. You get first pick, Scott. We're going to do five picks. Yeah, you're a two-time champion. You deserved it. You've earned it. We're going to do five picks. We're going to snake it out. Three of your five have to make the cut. So if you have three guys cut, you lose, okay? Because we're going to go best cumulative score of your three golfers. So the first day, three scores. No, at the end of the tournament. Oh, at the end. Okay, okay. I'm glad you asked your questions because I want it to be very clear. So in other words, if only two of your guys make the cut, you can't qualify. Yep. But if four guys make the cut, it'll be your best three. Yep. If all five of your guys, you're very good at this, Scott, all four of your guys made, I am not so good. I'm having a terrible year. Okay. So, so let me just start with this is I think we need to touch on that, uh, a very historic club hosting the country club at Brookline, which hasn't yeah. hosted a U.S. Open since 1988. Um, I'll give you a guess at who won it. I think won 19, it in 80. 1988? Yep. I think won it in 88 and 89. Hale Irwin. Nope. Curtis Strange. I thought I Curtis that. Strange. Right. So Curtis Strange beat Nick Faldo in a playoff here in 1988. Um, the last major event that they've had is uh, the U.S. Amateur. Matt Fitzpatrick won it there. So he's got great vibes. He'll be in the field. And it's most famous for, I think, uh, the U.S. Open that Francis We Met won beating Ted Ray, Ted and Harry Varden, you're going to say the shirts and the comeback. Yeah, Justin Leonard. Nah, I, I think the U.S. Open with Francis, we met more. I, I appreciate your nostalgia and you going way back. But when people ask me, where's the U.S. Open? I say it's at the Country Club of Brookline. And then they give me that look like, help me. And I go, remember the Justin Leonard putt, Ryder Cup? Oh, right. Come on. Well, I say, have you ever seen the movie The Greatest Game Ever Played? And then they're like, oh, that's where it was, huh? So anyways, not I don't think many people have much local knowledge here. So it feels like kind of a who knows on this one. That being said, I get one pick. And with my first pick. Oh, by the way, hold on. Tiger Woods is not playing. I didn't want you to pick him. Yes, yes. And Phil Mickelson has said that he's going to play. Can't trust him. Yeah, yeah. You can't trust him as Jeff Sorensen found out. Okay, Okay. what do you got? Number one pick. Number one pick. I am going to go, you know what? I'm going to do something crazy. I am going to go back-to-back major champions, champion, Justin Thomas. I'm going to go a PGA, and he's going to get his first U.S. Open. Okay, I'm going to pick Colin Morikawa. Ball striking. Yep. I think that's a big one. And I'm also going to pick I'm going to pick John Romney. You're going to pick Romeo and Julia. Ball strikers is what I'm going with right now because I don't feel like it's an overpowering uh, golf test. There. Go ahead. You get two picks. Two picks. Boy, now I'm looking at some people that I don't want to pick for other reasons other than their What does that mean? Dustin Johnson. I don't know. I feel like like Dustin Johnson, he's going to – he's in this LIV bubble now. 
But now he comes over to the U.S. Open and he's going to be under the microscope now. So I think there's going to be a lot of distractions. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But I'm going to go with Rory McIlroy, ball striker. Yep. And I'm going to I'm going to flip the script. Not a ball striker. I'm going to go with Cam Smith, playing great. The flowing locks. I always like him. Um, he, he's a good pick that I was I was thinking about. Um, I'm not picking Sergio. You know I hate him. You said that on the last podcast. Yeah, I just struggle with him. All right, I, I'm. This guy also has. It sounds like he's talking about the live tour too, even though he said no. But I'm gonna go with Kepka. I got. I'm. I, you can tell Scotty. I'm a little more focused right now. I I can't lose again. This is getting ridiculous. That I keep taking it. And you know who played really well uh, this last week? Or I've seen is uh, Francesco Molinari, but. Man, he seems to have fallen so far. I really should take Grayson Murray because he just ripped Kevin Na again. Did you see that one? No. Yeah, he said, now our, now our rounds are going to take 20 minutes less. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with uh, Justin Rose. You love Rose and the I do. majors. I don't know why I like him in the majors, but I do. All right. Yeah, there's two obvious picks still available. Um, let's see if you go after him. I just, uh, I feel like Scheffler's putting himself too much, too much pressure on himself. I think he'll probably make the cut, but I, I don't like him for this. I'm going to go with Matt Fitzpatrick back to back big events uh, at Brookline, Matt Fitzpatrick and last pick for me, I'm going to go with Hideki Matsuyama. I think he withdrew. What? Let's take a look here. I was just, uh, let me make sure that I didn't see that wrong. How about Francis Quinn? Or I mean, that would be pretty close. Fran Quinn to Francis Ome, right? No, Hideki's still in. You're okay. Well, and, and Greg, he's also got that white substance now that he's been using. Yeah, I, I heard you made a joke about that. I think that was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> you're, you're good. Uh, I'm going to take uh, Zalatorius. So yeah. noted, of course, there's just 10 picks, but noted, no Scheffler, no Shoffley, and no Spieth. And no DJ. Isn't that no interesting? DJ. No DJ. I was with you hundred percent on this DJ thing. This is, this is a lot to overcome. I couldn't pick any LIV guys, even though I think Kepka's thinking about it from what I'm reading. Um, I, I can't pick any of those guys. I think they're in a tough spot right now. I really do. Uh, that interview with Mickelson yesterday, I don't know if you saw it. It tells me a lot. Phil's never been so locked up. He's usually like got the answer and the let's go, or he'll make fun of you a little bit, but, he was locked up and he reverted a lot to, I know people are not happy. I, I, I know that people, you know, he, he just kept reverting back to it, Scott. So, uh, you know, I love Phil and I, that was a different Phil that I saw. He had to be so reserved. So Scott, what else you got for us uh, as we finalize the show here? I got, I got one more thing and I agree. Phil is really thinking about his answers before yeah. he talks. He is taking time to make sure I don't put my foot in my mouth again. The therapy is working. Yes. That's the yes. therapy he's been. So, so to that, but don't you think, Greg, that after this first LIV event that's in the UK and then the next one's in the US, don't you feel like after guys like Brooks Kepka or Bryson DeChambeau see that winner got that much and that person got that much for 10th place and shooting even par. Don't you think then it will become real and then people are going to jump ship even more? 
There's only 48 spots, Scott. I don't know how they're going to expand it if they want to. Um, it, it comes to a point, I know maybe they'll kick some guys off or maybe they'll have a ranking system of their own. I, I'm interested. I, I This is great TV for golf. I, I Everybody, I hate to say it, but almost every sport has a villain. And right now it feels like LIV is a little bit of a villain. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily cheering for them, but I, I, I love golf, right? And I love to watch golf. And that's why I asked you earlier about this moral high ground. It's, it's really tough to justify, you know, but I love the NBA and the NBA is in bed with China. And it's just, I, I don't know where I stand with all this stuff. Do I just quit watching sports because of, because of where we stand with human atrocities? I, I can't do it, Scott. I'm going to be come right out and say it. I'm not. I don't watch sports for politics. I watch politics for politics, but I watch sports for sports. So yes, to answer your question, yes. Some of these guys are going to say, I don't care about my pension. I don't care about my sponsor. I'm going to make more than that in a 19th place finish over on a three round event. Shotgun start. Because again, you know, as I do, Scott, two times, lot going on yeah you know it's a bigger portion of your day and the shotgun start 48 player field all 18 holes uh yes please even with kevin Na, they're gonna leave the hole behind kevin Na open <laughs> i've heard that oh, and then everybody's be- gonna run up against them but they'll still play in four hours and 17 minutes so <laughs> the, the 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 one thing the, the most smart individuals are the fringe players, the Chase Kepkas, and the other guys that are getting into this first event, getting that guaranteed yes. payday before all the real yep. big names start coming yep. even more. So I yep. uh, play well to the, I'm hoping one of those guys wins it. I really hope someone unknown wins this event. Because that will make it Chase tougher. Kepka. That's a yeah, really I good hope, Yeah, Chase Kepka wins this event because that will not give it momentum. If Phil Mickelson wins the first LIV event, look out. Or DJ. Yes, either one of those yeah. for sure. They want a big name to win it. Yeah. They do not want Chase Kepka, Peter Uline, or whoever it is. Right. All right, Scotty, we got to let you go. Uh, thank you for your time today. Good luck at the tape, Mark, this weekend. Play well. Um, we'd like to thank all that support us. Kaylee in the background working on the tape, Mark, right now. And thank Chris for coming on today. Chris Nowak is his name. Uh, great dude. Fun to chat with him. And I uh, hope you all have a great day. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks with our next episode.